America has become a society where Madison Avenue marketers often use sex to sell anything from automobiles to hamburgers. And all, while it seems that virtually every TV show or movie, song lyric, music video, magazine, or billboard is being used to fuel the sexual imaginations of its consumers, regardless of their age. Then there's the constant barrage of sexually charged clickbait ads or the 24-7 access that too many kids have to actual hardcore pornography via the smartphones that most parents have freely given to them. This is the world our kids are forced to navigate, but it seems that our daughters are the ones most vulnerable in a society like this. It's the mixed messages, now part and parcel of today's society, that have fostered, well, a confusion that's toyed with the hearts and the minds of our daughters in ways that are still yet to be discovered. Raising a strong daughter in a toxic culture, that's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome back to Licensed to Parent. We do hope you're safe wherever you happen to be listening. And uh, Licensed to Parent, of course, as always, is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long residential program for teens in crisis and, by extension, a ministry to their families. We hope to be able to export what we've learned inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill outside so that you and your family can be more proactive in keeping your teens out of a residential program. In short, yes, we're trying to put ourselves out of business. Trace, you and I both have daughters, and we both have had to raise them in a society that's sending them a lot of crazy mixed messages Mm -hmm. about how to conduct their affairs in this crazy world. No pun intended there, by the way, but... It's not an easy job. No. It's it's especially not an easy job being a father of a daughter in this climate. Yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, you know, on one hand, our girls are told to conduct themselves as young ladies who deserve to be honored and respected. And then on the other hand, everywhere we look, it seems like the girls who are getting all the accolades in life are the ones who are conducting themselves like sleazebags. Mm. And I, you know, I don't know how else to put that, Rich. Uh, our girls are being taught by our culture that they should expect to be admired and respected without meeting any of the conditions that traditionally merited admiration and respect. And when behaviors and terms and the definitions of those behaviors and terms have no real objective meaning anymore, then confusion and chaos are going to rule the day, and that's right where we live today. Absolutely. And all this cultural craziness we're seeing and the illogical nonsense is bringing a whole lot of stress and anxiety and confusion and fear and, quite frankly, mental illness into the lives of not just our kids but our parents too. But this is the logical outworking of the postmodern worldview that took root in the 60s and has now permeated you know, all aspects of our culture. Psalm 12.8, uh, it says this, The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. Again, that's where we're at. And, and you know, Rich, I, I don't like the term victim to be, you know, cavalierly thrown around, but I think our kids, particularly our girls, have become victims of a culture that has become hazardous to their mental health. And, and I make no apologies for saying that. So we have to be intentional about, you know, not just training our girls, but all our kids to know the difference between what's honorable and what's vile. And that God's word's the final arbiter of how these things ought to be defined. Uh, if not God's word, Rich, then, then whose word? Man's right. word? Okay, which man? Because we humans can't even agree on what actually distinguishes a human male species from a human female species anymore. And we wonder why suicide is now the second leading cause of death for teens. Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting. You were talking a moment ago about our daughters being victims. One thing we want to do in this conversation, though, is teach them how to go from what they're being victimized by Mm -hmm. and overcome it, conquer it. 
Yep. And uh, and there are tools and ways of doing this that we all need to learn. That's right. How to take whatever situation you're in and don't live like a victim. Yeah. But overcome it and and excel and get yeah. through it. And it's that's, a mindset. It it absolutely is. Well, we've invited back to our program Dr. Meg Meeker. She's been with us several times before. Dr. Meeker has spent more than 30 years as a practicing pediatrician. She's author of the best-selling book Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. We've discussed that with her before on this program. She serves on the advisory board of the Medical Institute and is a fellow of the American Academy of Pediatrics as well as an associate professor of medicine at the Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Uh, Dr. Meeker does live in northern Michigan, where she shares a medical practice with her husband, Walter. And we've asked her back on Licensed to Parent today to talk about her latest book, which is so apropos today, called Raising a Strong Daughter in a Toxic Culture. Well, Dr. Meeker, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Well, thanks so much for having me. Now, last time you were with us, I think we talked uh, more about strong fathers, but uh, what are you seeing in today's culture that uh, you felt a need to write a book about building strong daughters? You know, it's very interesting. I chose to write the book in response to a lot of questions that parents were asking me about what to tell their daughters, for instance, you know, when their friend is sexually active and they're concerned about their friend, what to tell their daughters um, when, uh, you know, George in their class has turned into Gina. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so parents are having a very difficult time navigating really what I say is a toxic culture because it's very confusing for girls it, as, as far as, you know, we're trying to, you know, tangle up their gender identity, sexual identity. And, you know, when you use the term girls are victims, you're absolutely right, because girls are preyed upon. They're, yeah. they're not just preyed upon by high school boys. They're preyed upon by uh, m- those who make movies, by television advertisers, by clothing companies. And they're sexualized. All of these companies are using sex to sell their wares to girls. And so when we think about movies that are made, for instance, we think, well, we're watching a PG-13 movie, an R-rated movie, and we understand because we're adults. In fact, the movie makers are targeting the younger kids, often the girls. And so they, they really are trying to draw the girls in by using sexually seductive materials to change the way they view sexuality, sexual activity, and even gender. And when you do that to a young girl in a young mind, a teenage mind that's not fully developed, she's extremely vulnerable to believing those messages. Um, They become cemented in her. So when her parents come and try to talk to her about these things, um, she can be very resistant. So in short... Parents have a media culture and a culture which is aggressively working against the values that they're trying to instill in their daughters. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've heard some people say, well, you know, gender really is fluid, and therefore it's wrong of us as parents to teach our kids this is how a boy behaves or this is how a girl behaves. I, I will say to that point, I like to teach my children this is how people behave. Yeah. <laughs> but... You know, we, we've we often talked about, uh, let's say, for example, issues of faith, that uh, it's better for us as parents to 
instill our faith in our children. Now, when they become adults, they will decide whether or not they want to you know, claim that faith as their own, but we need to give them a starting point. We need to give them instruction in it so they, so they can even have deeper thoughts about faith. Um, so uh, would, would you say that when it comes to gender now, it's more important than ever for us to lay down the framework there? Oh, absolutely. And, and the thing that's going to happen is that kids naturally lay down that framework from the time they're two months old on. You know, studies have shown that a boy, for instance, a baby boy, is more attracted to visual movement. A young baby girl is more attracted to a face that's just looking at her. So there are inherent biologic differences right from the get-go. And those are very strong in kids, in both boys and girls. And I want to say the quote-unquote true gender identity um, conflicted kids are extremely rare, extremely right. rare, mm-hmm. far less than 1% or 0.5%. So what we're seeing now is not true gender confusion. We're really seeing a fad that is being um, propagated you. by many who believe in the fad. So, you know, back to infants. Infants actually, and, and young children, toddlers, have strong impulses towards you know, being feminine or being more masculine. You can't write that out of them. But what is happening now is that parents are raising, trying to raise what I call gray kids. They want them to be neutral. They want them to sort of push away their natural instincts. They drank the cooler. Or the little two-year-old who gravitates towards playing with a doll, saying, no, 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 here's a truck, too. I know you may want to be a boy. Children can't choose their sexual identity. They can't choose their gender identity. That's like asking a five-year-old to, you know, drop them off in um, Prague and saying, where do you want to go to dinner tonight? You know, the child will look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And, and yet they have these strong impulses. So if you really want to confuse a child... Tell them that they can select their gender when they're quite young because it not only confuses them, but it makes them doubt their Mm -hmm. own instincts. And when they learn to doubt their own instincts, they doubt themselves across all areas. And that starts a chain, a domino effect of other things that happen. You, you talked about it being a fad. Shepherd's Hill is a proving ground for that because we see kids come out of this, come out of transgender stuff. But it's when they're allowed to have all these you know, negative cultural influences back into the equation that uh, uh, we start to see eh, things are starting to you know go backwards a little bit. But how much do you hold the mental health industry as a whole culpable for a lot of this stuff because they've bought into a lot of pseudoscience and I and when the kids it's it's one thing for a kid to hear someone like me or you talking about uh, the basically the insanity of this when they've got mental health you know PhDs and 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 people they respect in the entertainment industry and whatnot uh, drinking the Kool Aid then. It's harder to for them not to uh, to accept that as gospel, and then what happens is they start dwelling on these things, 
And as they, you know, as a man thinks, so is he. And, you know, we know that when you're, when you role play in your mind about something, you're building those brain connections. It's just like practicing a sport or whatever. You're actually creating a, 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 a bigger, more voracious appetite for that. And I don't know what you know about genetics or whether role or, or epigenetics and the role it plays in this, but it seems to me like all this outside stimuli that's, that's helping this fad, the culture, uh, is fueling this. In, in a way that everyone seems to be overlooking, or am I totally out to lunch here? No, you're absolutely right. And here's what's happening. The overwhelming majority of healthcare providers, and I believe psychologists and counselors, don't want to advocate for transgender reassignment, particularly in children. Mm-hmm. And I, am, I, I think it's child abuse. Yeah, absolutely. You take yes. a 13-year-old child and cut off her breasts or mm-hmm. penis, whatever. Right. We're sterilizing our children. Right. We're literally castrating young yeah. boys. But don't spank them. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but here's what happens. Then you've got political organizations who come along and say, and this has been said to, we have eight doctors in our practice, American Academy of PDX, AMA, and so forth, say, if a child says that they are transgender, you cannot counsel against that. That's, that's pure insanity. So in other words, they're telling us that we just have to go with it. And, you know, we see it in what's starting to be called the cancel culture. Right. You know, our views are canceled out because, you know, we're told we can't practice medicine, we can't practice our art. Personally, I don't go with this. Right. Uh, you know, I'll end up in jail before no, I'm I'll with tell you. a kid it's yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, but, but that's what I have found. But what's happening now is medical professionals and psychology professionals and counselors are bending. And they're saying, well, okay, I'm not going to fight you. I'll just go with it. And, yet, and that, there, are, there are about 40 medical clinics or hospitals in the country, I believe, who will do gender reassignment to children. Yeah, there used to be none. If you look <laughs> at how they screen those kids... It is about a three-hour screening process. So if a child goes to one of these centers and says, I'm 12 years old, I really want to be a boy, I've wanted to be a boy for the past couple years, I feel like I'm a boy, they will go in and interview that child for three hours and often say, yep, you're right, we're going to start giving you testosterone. So this is a very complex issue And we also know, for instance, there was a professor at Brown University about a year ago, maybe less, who did a study on, you know, group think and and how this really is a fad and how she would find that if one or two girls in a a cluster of uh, friendships decided they wanted to change their gender, that a lot of other girls in that cluster decided to. So she really concluded that it was... um, you know, there was a lot of peer pressure, peer identity. But, and when she print pushed, put her paper out there, Brown University made her retract it and take it down because it was not right to transgender kids. So there's a tremendous amount of manipulation going on here. Right. And I just think physicians need to sort of say, no, we're not going to do it, particularly when it comes to children. Well, here's the you thing. Know, if a 30-year-old wants to do what they're going to do, I'm a pediatrician, do what you're going to do. But don't tell me that it's okay for a 15-year-old kid to say, 
I'm ready to be sterilized for the rest of my life because this is how I feel. And yet that child doesn't even know if he wants to go to college yet. If you've just joined us, you're hearing Trace Embry talk with Dr. Meg Meeker about Dr. Meeker's newest book called Raising a Strong Daughter in a Toxic Culture. By the way, you can find that book online at Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books, assuming that your local bookstore is still operating these days. Again, Raising a Strong Daughter in a Toxic Culture. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Licensed to Parent right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. If you're just tuning in, we're joined today on Licensed to Parent by Dr. Meg Meeker and talking about her latest book entitled Raising a Strong Daughter in a Toxic Culture. And uh, Dr. Meeker, we've we've actually said that it's raising kids in a toxic culture in general that is is a problem. But you know, we're focusing a lot on daughters and the specific challenges there. I was curious though, when we're talking about young children, two, three, four years old, as a father of five, I saw all of my kids go through times where I like boys, I don't like girls. I like girls, I don't like boys. I like trucks, I like dolls, I like whatever. And that's just part of being a two-year-old or a three-year-old. But parents are encouraged to be super sensitive uh, to issues like this. Do you find in your um, work as a pediatrician that parents sometimes may be overreacting to what's a normal two- or three-year-old behavior and they suddenly think, oh, my goodness, my child is displaying gender fluidity issues? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, I really think that in honest efforts to be really good parents, 
They learn to read their kids. They learn to be sensitive to their kids. They want to meet their kids' needs. And they pathologize things that are not pathologic. It is very normal, not just for two, three, four-year-olds to try on being a boy if you're a girl or being a girl if you're a boy. Um, That's very, very normal. When our daughter, for instance, was in sixth grade, um, she decided that boys had better lives and they could do this, so she convinced her dad to take her to a barber. So for one year, she, she, uh, she got a spit gun, she put uh, a border of fighter jets all over her wall, and then after about a year, she was done with it. And today, she's extremely feminine, she's married, and she's sort of a clothes hound. You know, <laughs> we need to let our kids work life out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we need to stop micromanaging, micro-reading, and pathologizing everything. I see this all the time with parents, particularly when it comes to areas like gender identity, where over-reading and being oversensitive harms a child, because 99% of kids are going to go through their teen years, hit their 20s, and if we don't intervene, they go back to identifying with their genetic identity. I think parents do it with good intentions. I think some parents do it because they want to look like really good parents. Gwyneth Paltrow, for instance, I heard she's, I could be wrong, I could be wrong, so this is hearsay, but she, like some, you know, Hollywood parents, are trying to be, quote-unquote, the hip parents, the in-tune parents, and they're allowing their children to uh, not have an identity and, until the child decides later on in life. Well, this is just really harmful for children yeah. on many different levels. No doubt about it. Does this have anything to do with um, you know, people kind of uh, turning from God and the Bible to the mental health industry uh, and pop culture as maybe being their, their final arbiter of truth? Uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, I mentioned in the intro something about, you know, which, which man, who, 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 gets to, who gets to choose, you know, what the final uh, uh, definition of a term is and, uh, you know, what's normal and abnormal and right and wrong and good and evil. Uh, I think we put our trust in, in what man can do and what man has discovered, and man's still got a lot to discover. Absolutely, and I think as the late Ravi Zacharias would say, we're, we're no longer living in a theocratic culture where God is the one who sets the moral design. Um, we're living in a time where we're autonomous and we as people set the moral plumb line, which means then what follows is we decide what's truth and what isn't truth, and we feel that we have the right to define our own truth. But, you know, the, the problem with that is that, you know, um, Hitler's truth was that Jews should not be alive. Um, but that isn't true or good or right, of course. So when you allow people to sort of define what is good and what is right and wrong, what is truth and not truth, um, it's a mess. And I will tell you that if you say things over and over on social media or on the website, to many people that becomes true. Oh, that's And that's just... very, very dangerous. I see this a lot. Where did you hear that? Well, on the Internet. Right. It was here and it was here and it was here. 
but but it uh, it doesn't mean it's true. Right. So we've lost our ability if you are not aligned with God and you don't believe in science, you don't have the ability to discern any kind of truth because yeah. science, true science, lines up with God. Yeah. You know, God's way and God's will. No doubt about it. So he invented it, science. It, it, I, I am glad, though, that you said true science because of the fact that we are also running into a cultural problem where many scientists are starting off with their conclusion and then looking for the evidence to mm, support it, that, yeah, which is pseudo, not true science. Pseudoscience, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we are seeing that. And it's it's very sad because I think, you know, when I was in medical school and I was in resident and I was um, early on in my years in practicing, it, it just wasn't there. Physicians were extremely critical of other people's work. Everything had to be peer-reviewed, not just by one or two or three people, but by people who didn't believe in your conclusions or people that... But now that doesn't go at all. You're absolutely right. Many times that... And we, we see this with, you know, pharmaceutical companies or companies that have an agenda that create research that will give the conclusion they want. Yep. And so social groups can do that, too. Anybody can do that. You, you mentioned Ravi, Ravi Zachariah. Who's going to replace the Ravi Zacharias of the world? Ravi is a great friend of this ministry, endorsed the ministry, and he brought things to the equation that uh, uh, a lot of people need to really sit and, 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 and ponder. You know, you've probably heard this uh, with, with your ministry and the work that you do. Uh, young people, they think that they should be able, they're entitled to do what they want to do when they want to do it. You ever heard that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's just your yeah. opinion, Mom. That's just your opinion, Dad. But you, yeah. we do a thing here called pushing the antithesis. Okay. All right, Junior. You should be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. What's the logical outworking of seven billion people thinking just like you? And they're very honest. They don't know how to. They don't even know how to blush. Well, it's chaos. And yeah, what's the logical outworking of chaos? Well, it's destruction and 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 fights and wars and death. And yeah, you're right. Here's my worldview. I think I should love my neighbors myself and do unto others that have them do unto me. What What's the logical outworking of 7 billion people on the planet thinking that way? Well, peace, love, harmony. Yeah, which world do you want to live in? You know, just right. follow the logic. Push the antithesis. Follow the logic. But um, we, we're we more of an emotionally driven society today, and uh, we've put uh, logic on the shelf. And so, anyway, Rich is giving me well, the skunk. We put God on the shelf and, our, and, our, and ourselves in the center of the universe, yes. and that's extremely dangerous. Yeah. And that's where you... Give yourself the right to create the morality in your, you know, in your small world, and it's just, um, it is chaos. Yeah, I heard I heard someone say uh, these kids have accidentally ended up on third base, living under the delusion they just hit a triple, and that really kind of you know describes uh, what's going on here. They're they're living in the universe called me. Rich has given me the skunk eye, but uh, <laughs> Doctor Meeker, would you be? Uh, kind enough uh, to do a part two to this program. There's just so much more we need to go over. Oh, I'd love to. Great. Well, we will do that, in fact, in our next installment of Licensed to Parent. Our guest today and next week, uh, Dr. Meg Meeker. She is a 30-year-plus pediatrician. Uh, she's also the author of several good books, a uh, national bestseller from a few years back called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, and then the book we've been discussing today and will continue discussing next time called Raising a Strong Daughter in a Toxic Culture. That book is available on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. And uh, Dr. Meeker, we look forward to having you back again next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. And this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Uh, just a reminder that the work we do here is only possible 
through generous contributions through listeners like you. If you feel that you'd like to get on board and join the work we're doing here by your prayerful and your financial support, we would be most grateful. Uh, you can make a tax-deductible contribution very simply by going to our website, licensedtoparent.org, and just clicking the Donate tab at the top of the page. Again, licensedtoparent.org. And also remember that any past programs you may have missed are right there on the website. You can listen to all of our past programs and hear conversations about topics that are pertinent to intentional parenting. Again, that's licensedtoparent.org. On behalf of Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel. Thanks for listening, and please be sure and join us again next time to once again renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.